Act Two of Love for Love by William Congreve. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Act Two, Scene One A Room in Forsyte's House. Forsyte and Servant. Hey, day! What? Are all the women of my family abroad? Is not my wife come home, nor my sister, nor my daughter? No, sir. Mercy on us. What can be the meaning of it? Sure the moon is in all her fortitudes. Is my niece Angelica at home? Yes, sir. I believe you lie, sir. Sir? I say you lie, sir. It is impossible that anything should be as I would have it. For I was born, sir, when the crab was ascending, and all my affairs go backwards. I can't tell indeed, sir. No, I know you can't, sir. But I can tell and foretell, sir. Scene 2 to them, nurse. Nurse, where's your young mistress? Least heart, I know not. There none of them come home yet. Poor child, I warrant she's fond of seeing the town. Mary, pray heaven they had given her any dinner. Good luck a day. <laughs> oh, strange. I'll thou and swear now. Ha <laughs> ha Mary, and did you ever see the like? Why, how now? What's the matter? Pray, heaven send your worship good luck, marry, and amen with all my heart. For you have put on one stocking with the wrong side outward. Ha! Ah, how? Faith and troth, I'm glad of it. And so I have. That may be good luck in troth. In troth it may. Very good luck. Nay, I have had some omens. I got out of bed backwards too this morning, without premeditation. Pretty good that too. But then I stumbled coming downstairs, and met a weasel. Bad omens, those. Some bad, some good. Our lives are checkered. Mirth and sorrow, want and plenty, night and day make up our time. But in troth, I am pleased at my stocking, very well pleased at my stocking. Oh, here's my niece. Sirrah, go tell Sir Samson Legend I'll wait on him if he's at leisure. Tis now three o'clock. A very good hour for business. Mercury governs this hour. Scene three. Angelica, Foresight, Nurse. Is it not a good hour for pleasure too, uncle? Pray lend me your coach. Mine's out of order. What? Would you be gadding too? Sure, all females are mad today. It is of evil portent and bodes mischief to the master of a family. 
I remember an old prophecy, written by Mesahala, the Arabian, and thus translated by a Reverend Buckinghamshire bard. When housewives all the house forsake, and leave good men to brew and bake, withouten guile then be it said, that house doth stand upon its head. And when the head is set in grand, nay marl if it be fruitful fond. Fruitful, the head fruitful, that bodes horns. The fruit of the head is horns. Dear niece, stay at home, for by the head of the house is meant the husband. The prophecy needs no explanation. Well, but I can neither make you a cuckold, uncle, by going abroad, nor secure you from being one by staying at home. Yes, yes. While there's one woman left, the prophecy is not in full force. But my inclinations are in force. I have a mind to go abroad, and if you won't lend me your coach, I'll take a hackney or a chair and leave you to erect a scheme and find who's in conjunction with your wife. Why don't you keep her at home if you're jealous of her when she's abroad? You know my aunt is a little retrograde, as you call it, in her nature. Uncle, I'm afraid you are not lord of the ascendant. <laughs> well, Jill Flirt, you are very pert, and always ridiculing that celestial science. Nay, uncle, don't be angry. If you are, I'll reap up all your false prophecies, ridiculous dreams, and idle divinations. I'll swear you are a nuisance to the neighborhood. What a bustle did you keep against the last invisible eclipse, laying in provision as twere for a siege. What a world of fire and candle, matches and tinder-boxes did you purchase. One would have thought we were ever after to live underground, or at least making a voyage to Greenland, to inhabit there all the dark season. Why, you malapert slut! Will you lend me your coach, or I'll go on? Nay, I'll declare how you prophesied popery was coming only because the butler had mislaid some of the apostles' spoons and thought they were lost. Away went religion and spoon me together. Indeed, uncle. I'll indict you for a wizard. Oh, hussy! Was there ever such a provoking minx? Oh, merciful father, how she talks! Yes, I can make oath of your unlawful midnight practices, you and the old nurse there. Mary, heaven defend! I have midnight practices? Oh, Lord, what's here to do? I in unlawful doings with my master's worship. Why, did you ever hear the like now? Sir, did I ever do anything of your midnight concerns but warm your bed and tuck you up and set the candle and your tobacco box and your urinal by you and now and then rub the soles of your feet? Oh, Lord, I... Yes, I saw you together through the keyhole of the closet one night like Saul and the witch of Endor turning the sieve and shears and pricking your thumbs to write poor innocent servants names in blood about a little nutmeg grater which she had forgot in the caudal sup 
nay i know something worse if i would speak of it i defy you hussy but i'll remember this i'll be revenged on you cockatrice i'll hamper you you have your fortune in your own hands but i'll find a way to make your lover your prodigal spendthrift gallant valentine pay for all i will will you i care not but all shall out then look to it nurse i can bring witness that you have a great unnatural teat under your left arm and he another and that you suckle a young devil in the shape of a tabby-cat by turns i can a teat a teat i an unnatural teat oh the poor slanderous thing feel feel here if i have anything but like another question crying i will have patience since it is the will of the stars i should be thus tormented this is the effect of the malicious conjunctions and oppositions in the third house of my nativity there the curse of kindred was foretold but i will have my doors locked up i'll punish you not a man shall enter my house do uncle lock em up quickly before my aunt comes home you'll have a letter for alimony to-morrow morning but let me be gone first and then let no mankind come near the house but converse with spirits and the celestial signs the bull and the ram and the goat bless me there are a great many horned beasts among the twelve signs uncle but cuckolds go to heaven but there's only one virgin among the twelve signs spitfire but one virgin nor there had not been that one if she had had to do with anything but astrologers uncle that makes my aunt go abroad bow how is that the reason come you know something tell me and i'll forgive you do good niece come you shall have my coach and horses faith and troth you shall does my wife complain come i know women tell one another she is young and sanguine has a wanton hazel eye and was born under gemini which may incline her to society she has a mole upon her lip with a moist palm and an open liberality on the mount of venus do you laugh well gentlewoman ah but come be a good girl don't perplex your poor uncle tell me won't you speak on i'll scene four to them servant sir samson is coming down to wait upon you good-bye uncle call me a chair i'll find out my aunt and tell her she must not come home i'm so perplexed and vexed i'm not fit to receive him i shall scarce recover myself before the hour is past go nurse tell sir sampson i'm ready to wait on him 
Yes, sir. Well, why, if I was born to be a cuckold, there's no more to be said. He's here already. Scene 5. Foresight and Sir Sampson Legend with a paper. No, oh, no more to be done, old boy. That's plain. Here it is. I have it in my hand, old Ptolemy. I'll make the ungracious prodigal know who begat him. I will, old Nostradamus. What? I warrant my son thought nothing belonged to a father but forgiveness and affection. No authority, no correction, no arbitrary power, nothing to be done but for him to offend and me to pardon. I warrant you, if he danced till doomsday, he thought I was to pay the piper. Well, but here it is under black and white. Signatum, sigillatum, and deliberatum. That as soon as my son Benjamin is arrived, he's to make over to him the right of his inheritance. Where's my daughter that is to be? Ha! Old Merlin, body o' me, I'm so glad I'm revenged on this undutiful rogue. Odd so, let me see. Let me see the paper. Aye, faith and troth, here it is, if it will but hold. I wish things were done and the conveyance made. When was this signed? What hour? Odd so, you should have consulted me for the time. Well, but we'll make haste. Haste, aye, aye, haste enough. My son Ben will be in town to-night. I have ordered my lawyer to draw up writings of settlement and jointure. All shall be done to-night. No matter for the time, prithee, brother, foresight, leave superstition. Pox of the time. There's no time but the time present. There's no more to be said of what's past, and all that is to come will happen. If the sun shine by day and the stars by night, why, we shall know one another's faces without the help of a candle. And that's all the stars are good for. How? How? Sir Sampson, that all? Give me leave to contradict you, and tell you you are ignorant. I tell you, I am wise, and sapiens dominabitur astris. There's Latin for you to prove it. And an argument to confound your ephemeris. Ignorant. I tell you, I've travelled old Furku and know the globe. I've seen the Antipodes, where the sun rises at midnight and sets at noonday. But I tell you, I have travelled, and travelled in the celestial spheres, know the signs and the planets and their houses, can judge of motions direct and retrograde, of sextiles, quadrates, trines and oppositions, fiery trigons and aquatical trigons. Know whether life shall be long or short, happy or unhappy, whether diseases are curable or incurable. If journeys shall be prosperous, undertaking successful, or good stolen, recovered, I know... I know the length of the Emperor of China's foot, have kissed the great mogul's slippers, and rid a hunting upon an elephant with a cham tartary. Body o' me, I've made a cuckold of a king, and the present majesty of Bantam is the issue of these loins. I know when travellers lie or speak truth, when they don't know it themselves. 
I have known an astrologer made a cuckold in the twinkling of a star and seen a conjurer that could not keep the devil out of his wife's circle. Foresight aside. What? Does he twit me with my wife too? I must be better informed of this. Do you mean my wife, Sir Sampson? Though you made a cuckold of the King of Bantam, yet by the body of the sun... By the horns of the moon, you would say, Brother Capricorn. Capricorn in your teeth, thou modern Mandeville. Ferdinand Mendez Pinto was but a type of thee, thou liar of the first magnitude. Take back your paper of inheritance. Send your son to sea again. I'll wed my daughter to an Egyptian mummy, ere she shall incorporate with a contemner of sciences and a defamer of virtue. Body of me, I've gone too far. I must not provoke honest Albumazar. An Egyptian mummy is an illustrious creature, my trusty hieroglyphic, and may have significations of futurity about him. Odsbud, I would my son wear an Egyptian mummy for thy sake. What? Thou art not angry for a jest, my good Halley? I reverence the sun and moon and stars with all my heart. What? I'll make thee a present of a mummy. Now I think on't body o' me. I have a shoulder of an Egyptian king that I purloined from one of the pyramids, powdered with hieroglyphics. Thou shalt have it brought home to thy house, and make an entertainment for all the philomaths and students in physic and astrology in and about London. But what do you know of my wife, Sir Samson? Thy wife is a constellation of virtues. She is the moon, and thou art the man in the moon. Nay, she is more illustrious than the moon, for she has her chastity without her inconstancy. Osbud, I was but in jest. Scene six. To them, Jeremy. How now? Who sent for you? Huh? What would you have? Nay, if you were but in jest. Who's that fellow? I don't like his physiognomy. My son, sir. What son, sir? My son, Benjamin. Who? No, sir. Mr. Valentine, my master. Tis the first time he has been abroad since his confinement, and he comes to pay his duty to you. Well, sir. Scene seven. Foresight, Sir Sampson, Valentine, Jeremy. Here he is, sir. Your blessing, sir. You've already had it, sir. I think I sent it to you today in a bill of four thousand pound. A great deal of money, brother Foresight. Ah, indeed, Sir Sampson. A great deal of money for a young man. I wonder what he can do with it. Body of me, so do I. Hark ye, Valentine, if there be too much, refund the superfluity. Dost hear, boy? Superfluity, sir? It will scarce pay my debts. I hope you'll have more indulgence than to oblige me to those hard conditions which my necessity signed to. Sir, how I beseech you, what were you pleased to intimate concerning indulgence? Why, sir, that you would not go to the extremity of the conditions, but release me at least from some part. Oh, sir, I understand you. That's all, huh? Yes, sir, all that I presume to ask. 
but what you out of fatherly fondness will be pleased to add shall be doubly welcome no doubt of it sweet sir but your filial piety and my fatherly fondness would fit like two tallies he is a rogue brother foresight makes a bargain underhand and a seal in the morning and would be released from it in the afternoon he is a rogue dog his conscience and honesty this is your wit now this is the morality of your wits you are a wit and have been a beau and may be a why sirrah is it not here under hand and seal can you deny it sir i don't deny it sirrah you'll be hanged i shall live to see you go up holborn hill has he not a rogue's face speak brother you understand physiognomy a hanging look to me of all my boys the most unlike me he has a damned tyburn face without the benefit of the clergy hmm truly i don't care to discourage a young man he has violent death in his face but i hope no danger of hanging sir is this usage for your son for that old weather-headed fool i know how to laugh at him but you sir you sir and you sir why who are you sir your son sir that's more than i know sir and i believe not faith i hope not what would you have your mother a whore did you ever hear the like did you ever hear the like body o me i would have an excuse for your barbarity and unnatural usage excuse impudence why sirrah mayn't i do what i please are you not my slave did not i beget you and might not i have chosen whether i would have begot you or no Uns, who are you whence came you what brought you into the world how came you here sir here to stand here upon these two legs and look erect with that audacious face <laughs> answer me that did you come a volunteer into the world or did i with the lawful authority of a parent press you to the service i know no more why i came than you do why you called me but here i am and if you don't mean to provide for me i desire you would leave me as you found me with all my heart come uncase strip and go naked out of the world as you came into it my clothes are soon put off but you must also divest me of reason thought passions inclinations affections appetites senses and the huge train of attendants that you begot along with me body o me what a many-headed monster have i propagated i am of myself a plain easy simple creature and to be kept at small expense but the retinue that you gave me are craving and invincible they are so many devils that you have raised and will have employment owns what had i to do to get children can't a private man be born with all these followers why nothing under the emperor should be born with appetites why at this rate a fellow that has but a groat in his pocket may have a stomach capable of a ten shilling ordinary nay that's as clear as the sun i'll make oath of it before any justice in middlesex here's a cormorant too sart this fellow was not born with you i did not beget him did i by the provision that's made for me you might have begot me too 
nay and to tell your worship another truth i believe you did for i find i was born with the same horse and appetites too that my master speaks of why look you there now i maintain it that by the rule of right reason this fellow ought to have been born without a palate sart what would he do with a distinguishing taste i warrant now he'd rather eat a pheasant than a piece of poor john and smell now why i warrant he can smell and loves perfumes above a stink why there's it and music don't you love music scoundrel yes i have a reasonable good ear sir as to jigs and country dances and the like i don't much matter your solos or sonatas may give me the spleen the spleen ha 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 a pox confound you solos or sonatas oons whose son are you how were you engendered muckworm i am by my father the son of a chairman my mother sold oysters in winter and cucumbers in summer and i came upstairs into the world for i was born in a cellar by your looks you should go upstairs out of the world too friend and if this rogue were anatomized now and dissected he has in his vessels of digestion and concoction and so forth large enough for the inside of a cardinal this son of a cucumber these things are unaccountable and unreasonable body o me why was i not a bear that my cubs might have lived upon sucking their paws nature has been provident only to bears and spiders the one has its nutriment in his own hands and the other spins his habitation out of his own entrails fortune was provident enough to supply all the necessities of my nature if i had my right of inheritance again oons hadn't you four thousand pounds if i had it again i would not give thee a groat what wouldst thou have me turn pelican and feed thee out of my own vitals sart live by your wits you are always fond of the wits now let's see if you have wit enough to keep yourself your brother will be in town to-night or to-morrow morning and then look you perform covenants and so your friend and servant come brother foresight scene eight valentine jeremy i told you what your visit would come to tis as much as i expected i did not come to see him i came to see angelica but since she was gone abroad it is easily turned another way and at least looked well on my side uh, what here mrs forsyth and mrs frale they are earnest i'll avoid them come this way and go and inquire when angelica will return scene nine mrs forsyth and mrs frale what have you to do to watch me it's life i'll do what i please you will yes marry will i a great piece of business to go to covent garden square in a hackney coach and take a turn with one's friend nay two or three turns i'll take my oath well what if i took twenty i warrant if you had been there it had been only innocent recreation lord where's the comfort of this life if we can't have the happiness of conversing where we like but can't you converse at home i own it i think there's no happiness like conversing with an agreeable man i don't quarrel at that nor i don't think but your conversation was very innocent but the place is public 
and to be seen with a man in a hackney coach is scandalous. What if anybody else should have seen you alight as I did? How can anybody be happy while they're in perpetual fear of being seen and censured? Besides, it would not only reflect upon you, sister, but me. Pooh! Here's a clutter. Why should it reflect upon you? I don't doubt but you have thought yourself happy in a hackney coach before now. If I had gone to Knight's Bridge, or to Chelsea, or to Spring Garden, or Barn Elms with a man alone, something might have been said. Why, was I ever in any of those places? What do you mean, sister? Was I? What do you mean? You have been at a worse place. I? At a worse place? And with a man? I suppose you would not go alone to the world's end. The world's end? What, do you mean to banter me? Poor innocent. You don't know that there's a place called the world's end? I'll swear you can keep your countenance purely. You'd make an admirable player. I'll swear you have a great deal of confidence, and in my mind too much for the stage. Very well. That will appear who has most. You never were at the world's end? No. You deny it positively to my face? Your face? What's your face? No matter for that. It's as good a face as yours. Not by a dozen years wearing. But I do deny it positively to your face, then. I'll allow you now to find fault with my face, for I'll swear your impudence has put me out of countenance. But look you here now. Where did you lose this gold bodkin? Oh, sister, sister. My bodkin? Nay, tis yours. Look at it. Well, if you go to that, where did you find this bodkin? Oh, sister, 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 every way. Mrs. Forsythe, aside. Oh, devil on it, that I could not discover her without betraying myself. I have heard a gentleman say, sister, that one should take great care when one makes a thrust in fencing not to lie open oneself. It's very true, sister. Well, since all's out, and as you say, since we are both wounded, let us do what is often done in duels. Take care of one another and grow better friends than before. With all my heart, ours are but flesh wounds, and if we keep them from air, not at all dangerous. Well, give me your hand in token of sisterly secrecy and affection. Here it is, with all my heart. Well. As an earnest of friendship and confidence, I'll acquaint you with a design that I have. To tell truth and speak openly one to another, I'm afraid the world have observed us more than we have observed one another. You have a rich husband and are provided for. I am at a loss and have no great stock either of fortune or reputation and therefore must look sharply about me. Sir Samson has a son that is expected to-night, and by the account I have heard of his education can be no conjurer. 
the estate you know is to be made over to him. Now, if I could wheedle him, sister, huh? You understand me? I do, and will help you to the utmost of my power. And I can tell you one thing that falls out luckily enough. My awkward daughter-in-law, who you know is designed to be his wife, is grown fond of Mr. Tattle. Now if we can improve that and make her have an aversion for the booby, it may go a great way towards his liking you. Here they come together, and let us contrive some way or other to leave them together. Scene 10. To them, Tattle and Miss Prue. Mother, 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 look you here. Fee, fee, miss, how you bawl. Besides, I have told you you must not call me mother. What must I call you, then? Are you not my father's wife? Madam, you must say, madam. By my soul, I shall fancy myself old indeed to have this great girl call me mother. Well, but, miss, what are you so overjoyed at? Look you here, madam, then, what Mr. Tattle has given me. Look you here, cousin, here's a snuff-box. Nay, there's snuff in it. Here, will you have any? Oh, good, how sweet it is. Mr. Tattle is all over sweet, his peruke is sweet, and his gloves are sweet, and his handkerchief is sweet, pure sweet, sweeter than roses. Smell him, mother, madam, I mean. He gave me this ring for a kiss. Oh, fie, miss, you must not kiss and tell. Yes, I may tell my mother, and he says he'll give me something to make me smell so. Oh, pray lend me your handkerchief. Smell, cousin. He says he'll give me something that will make my smocks smell this way. Is not it pure? It's better than lavender, mun. I'm resolved. I won't let nurse put any more lavender among my smocks. Ha, cousin. Fie, miss, amongst your linen, you must say. You must never say smock. Why, it is not body, is it, cousin? Oh, madam, you are too severe upon miss. You must not find fault with her pretty simplicity. It becomes her strangely. Pretty miss, don't let em persuade you out of your innocency. Oh, damn you, Toad. I wish you don't persuade her out of her innocency. Who, I, madam? Oh, Lord, how can your ladyship have such a thought? Sure you don't know me? Ah, oh, devil! Sly devil! He's as close, sister, as a confessor. He thinks we don't observe him. A cunning cur! How soon he could find out a fresh, harmless creature, and left us, sister, presently. Upon reputation! They're all so, sister, these men. They love to have the spoiling of a young thing. They are as fond of it as for being first in the fashion or of seeing a new play the first day. I warrant it would break Mr. Tattle's heart to think that anybody should be beforehand with him. Oh, Lord, I swear I would not for the world. Oh, hang you. Who'll believe you? You'd be hanged before you'd confess. We know you. She's very pretty. Lord, what pure red and white. She looks so wholesome. 
Nestor. I don't know, but I fancy if I were a man. How you love to jeer one, cousin. Harky, sister, by my soul the girl is spoiled already. Do you think she'll ever endure a great lubberly tarpaulin? Gad, I warrant you she won't let him come near her after Mr. Tattle. Oh, my soul, I'm afraid not, eh? Filthy creature that smells all of pitch and tar. Devil take you, you confounded toad. Why did you see her before she was married? Nay, why did we let him? My husband will hang us. He'll think we brought him acquainted. Come, Faith, let us be gone. If my brother Forsyth should find us with them, he'd think so, sure enough. So he would. But then leaving them together is as bad, and he's such a sly devil, he'll never miss an opportunity. I don't care. I won't be seen in it. Well, if you should, Mr. Tattle, you'll have a world to answer for. Remember, I wash my hands of it. I'm thoroughly innocent. Scene 11. Tuttle, Miss Prue. What makes them go away, Mr. Tattle? What do they mean? Do you know? Yes, my dear, I think I can guess. But hang me if I know the reason of it. Come, must not we go too? No, no, they don't mean that. No? Then what? What shall you and I do together? I must make love to you, pretty miss. Will you let me make love to you? Yes, if you please. Tuttle, aside. Frankie Gad, at least. What a pox does Mrs. Foresight mean by this civility? Is it to make a fool of me? Oh, does she leave us together out of good morality and do as she would be done by? Gad, I'll understand it so. Well, and how will you make love to me? Come, I long to have you begin. Must I make love too? You must tell me how. You must let me speak, miss. You must not speak first. I must ask you questions, and you must answer. What? Is it like the catechism? Come then, ask me. Do you think you can love me? Yes. Pooh, pox, you must not say yes already. I shan't care a farthing for you then, in a twinkling. What must I say then? Why, you must say no, or you believe not, or you can't tell. Why must I tell a lie, then? Yes, if you'd be well-bred. All well-bred persons lie. Besides, you are a woman. You must never speak what you think. Your words must contradict your thoughts, but your actions may contradict your words. So when I ask you if you can love me, you must say no. But you must love me too. If I tell you you are handsome, you must deny it and say I flatter you. But you must think yourself more charming than I speak you. And like me for the beauty which I say you have, 
as much as if i had it myself if i ask you to kiss me you must be angry but you must not refuse me if i ask you for more you must be more angry but more complying and as soon as ever i make you say you'll cry out you must be sure to hold your tongue oh lord i swear this is pure i like it better than our old-fashioned country way of speaking one's mind and must not you lie too mm, yes but you must believe i speak truth oh gemini well i always had a great mind to tell lies but they frighted me and said it was a sin well my pretty creature will you make me happy by giving me a kiss no indeed i am angry at you runs and kisses him hold hold that's pretty well but you should not have given it me but have suffered me to have taken it well we'll do it again with all my heart now then my little angel kisses her pish that's right again my charmer kisses again oh fie nay now i can't abide you admirable that was as well as if you'd been born and bred in covent garden and won't you show me pretty miss where your bedchamber is no indeed won't i but i'll run there and hide myself from you behind the curtains i'll follow you ah but i'll hold the door with both hands and be angry and you shall push me down before you come in no i'll come in first and push you down afterwards will you then i'll be more angry and more complying then i'll make you cry out oh but you shan't for i'll hold my tongue oh my dear apt scholar well now i'll run and make more haste than you you shall not fly so fast as i'll pursue End of Act 2